the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Streaming now on smart speakers and the Odyssey app. AM 1100 KFAX. Portions of our programming may be pre-recorded. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. For couples across the country, today is a bit of a dilemma. Today is both Valentine's Day and, coincidentally, the first day of Lent. Now, husbands, if you forgot the chocolate, (laughs) I guess you could always tell her that you thought she had given up chocolate for Lent, but that still might not get you out of trouble. So, Valentine's Day, you've been forewarned. On today's program, we're going to spend some time talking about Valentine's Day and, more specifically, marriages. You know, it's said that bad marriages can go south quickly, but good marriages take time. And effort. Couple joins us today to offer some insights as to their marital experience and kind of pulls back the cover on both societal challenges to healthy marriages and what the word has to say about how to develop and keep a strong marriage. Joining me today, Pastor Timothy Russell and his lovely wife, Vanessa Russell. Pastor Tim has been a senior pastor for more than 30 years and currently serves as Foursquare Assistant Supervisor for the Western Division, responsible for supporting some 400 congregations. Vanessa founded a national anti-trafficking organization called Love Never Fails, which currently provides housing, IT training, and prevention education throughout the community. Love Never Fails has housed more than 300 women men and children, and prepares community members in poverty for careers in the technology industry. Together, they have seven children, five grandchildren, and the Russells, at the end of the day, love the word, worship, movies, laughter, and most of all, Jesus is the bond that holds them together. I'd like to welcome both of you to the conversation. Great to see you both. Wow, great to see you. Thank you. Well, on this Valentine's Day, I think uh, an appropriate time to talk about love and marriage. And and Pastor Russell, let me start with you. You know, we often hear this statistic about, gee, the divorce rate is almost as high inside the church as it is outside of the church. And while that statistic may be a bit troubling, I find another recent statistic that perhaps even more troubling. And that is the notion that a higher percentage of adults, both inside and outside of the church, don't even think they'll ever bother to get married as if somehow perhaps they've looking at the institution of marriage over recent decades and said gee with that kind of fighting and the divorce rate as high as it is and it just seems to be so much of a hassle why even bother what are your thoughts towards those kinds of attitudes yeah i think that that attitude is literally birthed out of the greater statistic is that the Bible says in this day, the last days, and we've been hearing this all our lives as a kid, you're in the last day, but really, as we look at the world, the last days, the love of many will wax cold. I think that statistic is higher than divorce and, it, and even that desire to get married because love has gone away. And, you know, here it is. If you want to be my disciples, somebody that's listed as an obeyer of the word. Love ye one another. And we have forgotten how to love one another in conflict, in tension, uh, all those things that show up in life, how we're raising our kids, how, you know, financial stuff pops up all the time. We've forgotten how to love through it and be able to really be 
a representative of Christ at all times. So you're, you're right, Craig, those statistics are growing. It's going to continue to grow until we grab hold to what he said from the very beginning, love ye one another. Is this also, Vanessa, a strategy of the enemy? I mean, we think about the fact that an enemy can attack a nation and a nation can rally together under doing good, defending democracy, preserving one's sovereignty and the flag and the homeland and all of that, and can succeed at repelling an enemy, an assault, an attack from the enemy. But I would wonder if you see the very attack and assault at the very center, the core, the fiber of a nation, meaning the family, the very institution mm-hmm. of marriage itself, it seems to me that that more subtle approach of an attack might be a sure way for the enemy to win the battle if we're not careful. Yeah, I think that um, we're in an interesting time where um, there are, are less, uh, there's less dependencies, especially in the, in, in the way of women. Um, women in years of old didn't have the heavy dependence or had the heavy dependency on their husband to provide um, and to protect. And now with the onset of, you know, uh, bringing in more diverse workforces um, you know, uplifting women's rights and things of that nature. There's this little insertion point in this thought that has been inserted. And I think it's from the enemy that says, well, what, what do I need a husband for? Now? What do I need a family for? I've got money. I've got what I need. I've got my job. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm independently um, uh, operating and running my life. And it's probably coming in for the men as well. You know what? Why do I need a wife? I I I can. Hey, Craig, I can get a robot to clean up my house. Um, I can get a robot now to cook my eggs. I don't need a wife. You know, I can I can actually order a wife online. Um, so what 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 do I need? So there's a lot of um, messages and innovations, if you will. Um, I would say demonic innovations that um, are really destroying uh, the family unit and making it very easy for us to be lovers of ourselves Mm. and not have to lay our lives down in the way that the Lord has outlined in his word. Is part of this the result of of a paradigm shift then? And this question for either of you, a paradigm shift away from the fundamental truths of the teaching of Scripture, where suddenly now we're substituting man's viewpoint on what marriage is or what marriage is worth versus God's viewpoint. I mean, at the end of the day, we've always historically, theologically understood that the institution of marriage is created by very God himself. And it goes beyond just simple notions of procreation. And, and, and yes, even the matter of, of a husband being a provider. And it's true that post-World War II, women entering into the workplace during the war, uh, there's been a big change in that whole income dynamic. But somehow now the world's suggesting, you know what, we can just as easily, easily exchange uh, marriage and work and support and satisfaction with a more worldly definition of this. But I wonder if we do so, what the consequences are of that, not only for the institution of marriage in specific, but for society as a whole. Well, one thing is true. I think, you know, um, uh, you you can't um, produce, you can't create, you know, life unless there is a, a man and a woman that come together and under that covenant, uh, there is something very powerful that we can try to reframe or create a new narr- narrative around. But it is a God-ordained unit that um, is between 
a husband and a wife and their children. And um, that is create, you know, that is is providing an opportunity for society, for us to have a community, for us to have life. And um, and and so what I see here is absolutely um, a exchange of the value of that or reframing or relabeling of the value of that unit. Um, in in place of you know valuing money or valuing fame or valuing your own um, personal liberties, and um, I definitely think that it has an impact on the um, on the way that we are living our lives today. And not just perhaps a, a blurring of the lines, but almost an erasing of the goals. Uh, Pastor Russell, I think of the notion that God has established specific duties and responsibilities. And that isn't to suggest that somehow in some areas, a man is more capable than a woman or vice versa. But I, given the fact that the two of you, successful marriage, seven kids, five grandchildren, the notion of responsibilities divided between husband and wife and what those roles look like, particularly when it comes to supporting the family and, and that, that scriptural admonition to train up a child in the way he or she should go. D- does that begin to fall apart when suddenly the roles that God defined are either dispensed with or, or just simply blurred? Well, you know, the scripture says um, that your word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. Um, I know that without leaning into the word and leaning into direction from God, I'm going to I'm going to fail. There's no good thing in my flesh. I think I have to recognize that. I think husbands, let's recognize that. I don't care how great we think we are and how successful we are. Let's just recognize that there's no good thing in my flesh. I'm I deal with cultural biases. Um, how I was raised, I, you you name it. I can check all the boxes. And I think anybody listening, Craig, can check all the boxes on how they were raised and and uh, and things that were taught to us that were not in alignment to Scripture, not to the Word of God. So I got to recognize that every day. I got to accept that His mercy is new every morning. So I got to live in His mercy. I got to live in His grace. And in all my ways, I got to acknowledge Him so He can direct my steps as a husband, as a provider, as a um, uh, father, as the the leader of my home. And when I say the leader of my home, I think we need to realize leader doesn't mean um, I'm barking out orders. What leader means is let me lead my house in how we reflect Christ. Let me lead my house in how I communicate. Let me lead my house in how I treat my kids, treat my wife. Let me lead my, because they're watching, they're looking, they're seeing. And, and that's where I think we have to be better is recognizing he's there. He's there to lead in God. I'm going to tell you, there's many times where I just get arrested by the Holy Spirit uh, and something that I've done maybe to my kids, something that I've said to my wife. I get arrested. Why? Because I'm surrendered. I'm not perfect, but I'm surrendered to the leader of my life so that I can be the best leader that I can be. Pastor Tim and Vanessa Russell with us today. We're talking about Valentine's Day, healthy marriages, and how to create your marriage on that firm rock. We'll take a brief time out back with more as Lifeline continues. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. 
Welcome back to the conversation on this Valentine's Day, visiting with Pastor Timothy Russell and his delightful wife, Vanessa. We've been talking about the issue of marriage and some of the challenges that are faced by the modern marriage today, not only in terms of societal trends, but one of the points, Pastor Russell, I want to come back to that you you began to touch on just prior to the break, and that is somehow that there are distorted views about what marriage looks like, what leadership looks like in a home. You know, oftentimes we've heard scriptures quoted such as wives obey your husbands and all the men say yes 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 and they forget the second part of that verse is and husbands love your wives as christ loved the church well how did christ love the church he died for the church so you know if men begin to ponder that point it might completely revolutionize their relationship and the way they engage with their spouse and and i have to wonder we look at society today and we know that there's been this long time trend of a high divorce rate. We talked about the fact that we're even seeing now a ever-increasing rate of people that just don't want to get married, period. And I have to, how much, have to wonder how much of this is sort of um, the sins of, of one generation visited upon another, meaning we have multiple generations now, question for both of you, multiple generations of folks that grew up in a broken or dysfunctional household. Dad was present, mom wasn't, vice versa. They didn't get along. You think about life as a kid growing up, all they did was fight and scream and yell at each other. So now when a young couple begins and sets out on their own marriage relationship, the kind of mentoring that they should have had to know what a healthy marriage relationship looks like, to understand how to fight without killing each other and and, and end the day at peace with one another, those skill sets are just not there. How detrimental do you think that is to modern marriage relationships? Very. I think that um, we're dealing with generational warfare and generational warfare can only be broken through repentance. Now, how is that possible? How can I go back into many generations and heal what was broken? I can't, but I can say, forgive us, Lord, forgive the brokenness of my parents home, forgive the brokenness of their parents' home, because it stops right now. So we got to realize we have authority in Christ Jesus. It stops right now. This generational warfare, this curse that has been over our family, because until we do that, it can't be broken, because if we confess our sins, then he is faithful and just to forgive us of all of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So I have to say, you know, what I experienced as a child is what my dad and mom experienced as a child and what their parents experienced. So Lord, forgive us. Lord, forgive our actions. Lord, we come against this action by the enemy that wants to continue with my kids uh, and continue on through the bloodline. But because of the power of Jesus and the power of his atonement on the cross, when he said it is finished, Craig, he said everything that has come against creation from this point on is broken through the blood of Jesus. So, man, I'm excited. Me and my wife talk about this all the time. So I know she's got a lot to say on this. Uh-huh. Yeah, I was just going to say we, we, you know, just a couple weeks ago, I'm super excited. We launched a new book called Fight for Love Workbook for Men. And um, and actually, I'm uh, so grateful to my husband. He's in the book as a testimonial, as is uh, one of our sons and um, several of our just brothers in Christ that have kind of offered up their testimonials. And one thing that was a theme that I saw as I interviewed each of the uh, each of the participants that contributed their testimonial. Um, and by the way, it's a, it's a 12 step recovery book for um, for for men that are 
um, healing after sexual abuse, physical abuse, emotional, spiritual abuse, fatherlessness, sexual hangups, um, and um, uh, substance abuse um, and codependency. And and what I people say, well, wow, that's a long list. Guess what? There's an intersectionality between uh, the the dismantling of the family, the father, you know, a father not being in the home. And all of those things I just mentioned, there's there there's a much higher rate of sexual abuse of children in the home when the father is not there. And there is a much higher rate of uh, sex substance abuse when a, a young man, for example, has been sexually, physically or emotionally abused. And these are all interconnected. And so, um, you know, as we know, we have an we have an enemy who um, wants to kill, steal and destroy. From us. 10, 10. Mm-hmm. And yeah. And so it, as we think about that, what better strategy than to dismantle the family, remove the man from the home so that all of these things um, have free free access uh, to the children, free access to uh, the mother and, um, and 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 also bring shame upon the man who's no longer there uh, for whatever reason. And so it's uh, I see it as a, a, a strategy that has come against marriage, come against the family. And uh, and I and I believe that God is Jesus is saying it's it stops here and we need to take a stand to put things back in place so that my children will live the lives that I have. Uh, I have uh, purposed over them. And, 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 that- and, you know, Craig, the second part of that, you just quoted 1010 and uh, on what my wife said. But Jesus said, but I came. Oh, man. I mean, if we can rest in that right there. But I came that you might have life and that much more abundantly in your marriage, in your love life, love life. That's not a bad word. Love life. You can have a love life if Jesus is at the center of it. Is there a degree to which and and you can kind of draw from your, your years of relationship together? Is there a degree to which that there is intentionality? about all of this. And I ask that question because we hear phrases like falling in love, uh, almost suggesting as if it's something that just sort of magically accidentally happens. Um, and yet you look at what it takes to be in a relationship and many of the demands that are there. And I know some people see marriage like a business relationship. It's entirely transactional. You do for me, I do for you. That's the way it works. Um, the, the notion of the sacrificial dynamic of marriage, of doing something because you wish to love that way. You choose. You intentionally wish to do that for your spouse. I, I have to wonder, is one of, one of the, maybe the missing components here that far too many uh, relationships, marriages are just kind of happening by accident as opposed to having an intentionality about them? So if you wake up on a Tuesday morning and maybe you had a bit of a disagreement the night before or her hair is all up in a mess and he, he, he looks like a slob, and you just say, I, you know, I don't really feel like you're very lovable today, but I'm going to intend, I'm going to intend love you anyway because I wish to be experiencing that abundance of Christ at the center of our relationship. Yeah, you know, in our weakness, his strength is perfected. Uh, I don't know how to love Vanessa. I don't. I don't even know her well enough. So, well, wait a minute, you've been married enough. I don't know Vanessa well enough to love her the way she needs to be loved. But I know the one who created her. Uh, and if he orders my steps and directs me, uh, I was I was uh, on the couch. My wife is not into things like certain things. She feels like oh, I don't need that. I'm not. She can correct me if I'm wrong, but I've heard her say this. I'm not worth that. I, no, don't buy me a 
X amount of dollar purse. Just go down to that store and get it for me. I could live in that. But then the Lord goes, buy that. I'm like, I'm not, I'm not buying. Did you see the amount of that? Lord, I, uh, let me search. Let me search the Internet for uh, something else. No, because I don't know how to love her. I can take her at her word and I can speak to her brokenness or her moment of I don't feel worthy for that. And I can rest in that and be like off the hook. But here comes the master. Here comes Jesus, who I'm leaning on, who I'm trusting in, who I'm saying, Lord, help me because I don't know how to love this woman. And I'll be honest with you, Craig, many that are listening right now, it's easier to leave than to stay. It's easier to leave. And that some. And here comes in. You should just leave. You don't know how to love her. She is not satisfied. I know women deal with the same thing. You can't never do nothing right. It's easier to leave than to stay on the surface. Because the enemy wants to do what? Put you in isolation and depression. But here comes the Lord going, do this, do that, because I know her. I created her. I formed her in her mother's womb. I know her. And when we lean into that and say, God, I don't know, early in the morning, I don't know how to say good morning. Uh, in the middle of the day, I don't know how to say I love you. Lord, I don't want to be out there vulnerable and say something and I don't get it back. And Lord, I don't want to share my intimate moments because I'll be hurt. Because really we listen, we live in the unknown. Rather than the known, I know the Lord, and the Lord won't let me down. Well, you know, superimposed upon that, as I hear you share that example, Pastor Russell, I'm thinking of Christ's prayer. Lord, let this cup pass from me. It would have been easier for him to leave than to stay. It would have been easier to leave than to love in the way that he did. But nevertheless, not my will but thine will be done. Jesus surrendering unto the Father. And you know, demonstration of how easy it is to leave fills every court docket and every family court all over the country every day. But when you choose to love as Christ chose to love, it may not be the easiest path. It might not be the path of the least resistance, but at the end of the day, it is the most rewarding path because certainly at the cross, that pathway opened up the door for us to be forgiven, to be reconciled, and to have our relationship restored with very God himself. And, and Vanessa, maybe you can speak to that, because you know what? It works both ways, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. As much as the guys say, this is too tough for me, I bet the, mo- the ladies have some difficulties from time to time, too. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, I've made up my mind. I'm, I'm going to serve God. And there are going to be times when serving God means loving my husband at a time where I don't agree with him or I don't like something he's doing. Um, but if I follow the outline that the Lord has given me, it's a there's a prompting for prayer. There's a prompting for self-sacrifice. There's a prompting for uh, me to lay my life down and watch God move. And um, and and you know I think that's the that's the challenge is that we are uh, in this day and age where we're like, oh, you know, life is too short. Um, you know, I want to enjoy every moment, every second of my life. We've become very occupied with our own um, wants and desires and needs. And sometimes, you know, we've got to think about our marriages as a sacrifice of praise. Now, as you know, I'm not a proponent of you know, staying in abuse and things like that. So that's not what I'm talking about. I'm just talking about day-to-day life. Things get monotonous. You get into arguments. You're not always on the same page about rearing children, about finances, about 
And like, like my husband said, it would be easier to say, you know what, you know, I'm going to do me, you do you. And, you know, it's, we're just going to move away. But is that really following the outline that Christ gave, as you mentioned? Are we willing to pick up our cross? Are we willing to drink of the bitter cup at times? So for the greater good. And, you know, I've often thought about this, you know, actually, my husband's brought it up multiple times. And and it just an observation, especially about mothers, the way mothers love their children. Would a mother ever walk away from their child? The child's misbehaving. The child's not doing what the family wants. Would a mother say, I'm done with you. It's over. It's easier to not be your mom. Maybe some would. But I would I would argue that most would not. They would fight until the bitter end. And with that, love is what God is calling us to be in marriage. Um, but oftentimes we don't hold our marriages in the same uh, with the same tenacity and the same commitment that we have towards our children. Or we allow our sense of ego to take over and suddenly we're, we're pushing back with the notion that, well, you're just asking me to bend to my partner's will as opposed to surrendering to God's will. We'll pause on that point. Our conversation today with Pastor Timothy Russell and Vanessa Russell back with more as Lifeline continues. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Welcome back to the conversation on this Valentine's Day, talking about love and marriage and the keys to success. With us is Pastor Timothy Russell and Vanessa Russell. And I want to pick up where we left off in the last segment, that, that notion sometimes that we feel as if, well, uh, th- this is so much sacrifice and bending toward one another, so to speak. But it leaves out of the equation, I think, and I love that, that example of the triangle that's not only remindful of the triune God that we serve, but also that triangle with God at the very top, the husband and wife at the bottom tips. And as you look at the triangle and move your way forward and up and along toward the top, you notice the two very interesting dynamics are taking place simultaneously. And that is that as you draw closer to one another, you are simultaneously drawing closer to God. The goal being that by the time you reach the very tip top of that triangle, you find yourself at the intersection of where husband and wife and God meet. And wow, yeah. there's got to be really something special. Now, I'm not suggesting that's easy at all. But speak to that triangle, if you would, and, and what it means in terms of the growth and development of a relationship as you're working together, not only on the horizontal plane with one another, but simultaneously on the vertical plane toward God. Well, I'll tell you, the horizontal plane, um, nothing's easy, but the whole horizontal plane is easier. If you notice, as you get to the point where you want to get to the tip, it's uphill. It's uphill. And so it's not easy. It's not downhill. You don't meet the point of God downhill. You meet him uphill. You know, I, you know, I, I you look at Moses, he received so much from God going up into the mountain. Um, Jesus, a lot of his prayer time was up away from that. I got to get up. I got to sacrifice myself. When he said that he climbed the mountain and his disciples followed him and then he taught it's, it's up. It's up and it's difficult. A lot of times we're praying, Lord, remove the mountain. And he says, no, I'm going to give you strength to climb it. So here it is. If I can just go through the the challenge of climbing up, I'm going to scrape my knees. I'm going to bump my elbow. 
I'm going to go God wide. All those human emotions, I think we try to act like don't exist. No, I'm just honest with God. God, why? Why, God? But I'm still climbing. I'm climbing. I'm climbing for the joy that has been set before me. I'm going to endure the mountain like Jesus endured the cross for the joy that was set before him. I got to keep my eyes on the tip. I got to keep my eyes on that point where we come together as one in God because climbing, if you notice, we start off further apart than we do how we end up. So the the point of climbing is like, man, I don't get her. I don't get him. Why are we doing this? So we're climbing. And as we're climbing, a lot of times we don't realize in the climb because of the distress that we go through, we're getting closer to one another in the climb. We're getting closer. And isn't it amazing that we always talk about the the great experiences in life as being in the mountaintop. When we're going through difficult times, we characterize it as being in the valley. And I have to tell you, years ago, I interviewed a gentleman who climbed Mount Everest. And of course, you know, it's tall, it's cold, it's dangerous. Uh, Not everybody who goes on the climb makes it to the very top. And some people come back in a basket, sadly enough. And I asked this gentleman, I said, for all that you went through, even as a semi-pro athlete, to make the sacrifice, why did you do it? And his answer to me was simple. He said, Craig, there's no experience equal to being at the top. Wow. The view... The sense of splendor of God is you're at the highest peak on God's created earth and you can see for miles and miles and miles. Yes, it was difficult. Yes, it was hard at times. Yes, there were moments when I was ready to back down and give up. And yet I stayed with it because I knew that there would be nothing like that mountaintop experience. And and I I love that analogy that you share, Pastor Russell, because I would imagine many couples eavesdropping on this conversation today are saying, yeah, brother, I have fallen. I have scraped my knees. I've slid down many feet. I found myself stuck in a crevice on my way to the climb. And that ultimate message of stick with it, hang in there. Because the higher up you get, the closer you will draw to each other and eventually the very God himself. I love that. You got a sermon for Sunday, brother. I know. That's that's the truth right there. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and let me pile on to this and just bring in just a metaphor that came to me while you were were talking about the development of muscles. Uh, I think it just kind of popped into my head that the way that muscles are developed is they're actually ripped apart. And they have to be repaired and they're repaired. The repairing of a muscle is an opportunity for more fibers to come together to create an even stronger bond. And interestingly, the repair happens while you're resting. So you're you know, working out and you're ripping your muscles literally while you're at the gym. And then when you sit down afterwards, that's where the repair begins. And the, the muscle and the fibers fuse together and become stronger and more prominent. And I just believe that um, there is a ripping and there is a there is a tearing that happens to your person when you come together with someone else in marriage, with your husband or your wife in marriage. You 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 become torn. You parts of you are stripped away and you have you are you are made humble. Um, I can't tell you, uh, you know, how much personal growth I've, I would have uh, not experienced if I had given up, if I hadn't kept climbing up the mountain. 
um, how many things I wouldn't have known, you know, oh, man, you've got to work on this, Vanessa. Oh, you've got this trauma you need to go look at. Oh, you know, you think everybody understands that you have this expectation, but you haven't communicated it. The All these variables that we kind of get in our own heads about, and it's part of laying down our life, right, um, before Christ. Um, and, and so I just think that that climbing the mountain piece um, is such a blessing. The pain is such a blessing to each of us individually and then again as a, as a couple. And Pastor Russell, won't most coaches at a gym say when you go in to work out, it needs to be a comprehensive plan so that as you're, you're, you're building those muscles, it's every muscle within the body group. And I would wonder if that same analogy fits when we talk about marriage, that that you need to be exercising those muscles, even though sometimes it's painful. It might be the muscle of prayer. Maybe it's the muscle of patience. Maybe it's the muscle of understanding. But working that and knowing that the more you work those muscles, the stronger that they will get, the greater the rewards will be. Yeah, I think that marriage is probably the only thing that... Um, you can or one of the things you can do without having a mandatory coach um so in, in the gym think about it we just the person that jumps in there and just starts doing 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 they'll probably get no results because they're not knowing how to what's called stack their their exercise i'm going to work on this and then i'm going to work on this and then i'm going to work on this so that i can grow appropriately and then tomorrow i'm not going to work on those things to give it time to heal but i'm going to work on other muscles where you know in a gym you're taught that or if you're in an exercise class you're taught that you have somebody in front of you that are that are uh, constantly helping you. I don't go to those kind of places because they always uh, seem to point me out. I told my wife, I'm always hearing, come on, big guy, come on. Why I got to be the big guy? Just leave me alone. But, you know, they were challenging me. And so marriage, a lot of times we jump in it and we just try to figure it out. Uh, Sometimes we get coaches that are not understanding of our cultural experiences uh, and and how to help us bring it so we get discouraged um, or we try to just do it on our own. And, and, uh, And we we don't have great success. And then when we don't have success, what do we tend to do? Give up, throw, our t- throw the towel in. Rather than getting a coach or a mentor that says, I've been there, done that. Mm-hmm. Because you don't know how many marriages are blessed when they think that they're not, the, they're not weird or their wife's not crazy or their husband's not a lunatic because they hear other husbands or other wives say, been through that, you know, or I, we dealt with that last week. What? You, you've been married for 43 years. You dealt, yeah, that's why we've been married for 43 years. We dealt with it rather than quit on it. And I think that is the key to it. Are you dealing with it or are you quitting on it? Because if you're quitting on it, you can still be there, but you've quit. And it's nothing worse to have an employee. You Craig, think about it. Someone that's still working with you, but they've already quit. They're not there. They're not committed. They're not surrendered. They're trying to sabotage. They're not ready to serve. They're just there for the wrong reasons now while they're looking for a new job. And how many people are in relationships right now looking for something new because they quit rather than lean in and saying, you know what? I'm going to do what's necessary to keep building upon this and keep growing in this. We're going to pause on that point. With us today, Pastor Timothy and Vanessa Russell. We're talking about love, marriage, relationships here on Valentine's Day. A brief time out back to more of our conversation as Lifeline continues. 
And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Welcome back today, Pastor Timothy and Vanessa Russell with us today. Pastor Tim has been a senior pastor for some 30 years and currently serves as Foursquare Assistant Supervisor in the greater western region, responsible for supporting some 400 churches throughout the area. Vanessa Russell founded a national anti-trafficking organization called Love Never Fails. It's housed 300 women, men and children, and prepares community members in living in poverty for careers in the IT industry. Together, they've got Got seven children, five grandchildren, and we've been spending some time today on this Valentine's Day talking about love, marriage, the challenges, and sort of what's the secret sauce. And in our final segment of conversation today, I want to spend a few moments from both of your perspectives talking about just that. The last segment, we talked a bit about the challenges of, of climbing that mountain and the risks that are involved, but ultimately the reward that is there as you draw closer together, closer to God, and eventually experience that mountaintop experience in life and in relationships. In terms of some key insights, uh, maybe, Vanessa, we can start with you. From your perspective, talking to the women now, what are some of the important keys that you've come to understand are vitally important in your journey climbing that mountain? You know, I think we, women, and I'll just speak for myself, um, I have uh, had to learn how to ask for what I want and not just expect my husband to know what what it is I want. Um, we are wired differently, and I'm still I'm still a work in progress in this area. We're wired differently. Um, many myself and many of my friends will say, "Hey, what, you know, why don't they just know? Why don't they just know what we want?" I mean, you and, don't know that I loved you. I married you, didn't I? <laughs> yeah, you got a ring, right? Isn't that enough? I actually have had a friend say that to his wife, which is pretty funny, but. Um, well, it wasn't funny to her, but anyway, uh, the, the point is, you know, learning how to articulate what your needs are and your wants are is such is so important because, again, um, you know, my husband told me I'm not a mind reader. I can't I can't tell what it is that you need or want. And so I'm learning how to do that. Um, it is a bit challenging for someone like me who has um, lived, you know, I was raised with uh, quite a bit of trauma and my needs were not met when I was growing up. So I didn't. I haven't learned how to ask for what I need. You know, I, I might be heavily independent and so, but still wanting things from my husband. So it's like, wives, let's, let's check in on that. Let's see, um, are we, are there unwanted needs that we can express? And then another thing that my husband talked to me about is like, yeah, express it, but make, be careful, right? You don't come and say, hey, so I speed and do blah, 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 demanding uh, things, you know, from your husband. There's a way to ask. There's a way to influence. Uh, there's a way to uplift uh, your needs in a kind and loving way. And so communication is such an important piece. I think that wives, uh, uh, you know, I, I would say to the women that are listening, learning how to speak to your husbands in a way that's uplifting, but also um, that is clear and direct. And in order to create that harmony in your marriage. And I would imagine you know, you there's, know, there's a balance the to that because if, if if the wives need to learn how to share and express yeah. how they're feeling, the guys have got to learn how to listen, don't they? Yeah, there's power to what she just said. I think that as women are listening, let me say it from a man's standpoint. Think about Samson. Samson knew he wasn't supposed to cut his hair, but the power of the lap, the power of the lap, <laughs> the power of the lap. I mean, women, if you can lay your husband down, and just allow him to lay on your lap. Um, there's so much you can get out of him. 
It, it, <laughs> I, 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 I can tell you, you can cut his hair while he's laying on your lap. And so I, I, I think what we're saying is communication and how we do it is more important than getting our point out. I got something to say. You're not ever going to get heard. But if I lay you on my lap and share my heart and say, I need to talk to you about something, but I want to do it in a godly way. I want to do it in the right way. Husbands, too. And we can point our feet. I am the head. I am the head. That means you're responsible. You're responsible for the health and well-being of your home. That's what that means. It doesn't mean everybody line up, be quiet and hush. It means I'm responsible. And I got to stand before God one day and God's going to say, how did you take care of the home I gave you? And we look at it from that perspective and we'll treat it differently. For couples that are eavesdropping right now that would say, Pastor Tim, Vanessa, you don't understand. It's on the rocks at this point. I, I don't know if we can last another month, let alone another week. Is it ever too late? And if not, how, how do we go about approaching each other and God to begin getting that marriage relationship back on the right track or, or maybe on track for the first time ever? So I just got a vision, Craig, when you said that of uh, something being on the rocks, a ship being on the rocks, marriage on the rocks. That's a real thing. I don't want anybody thinking that we're not saying that's real. That's real. Me and my wife's marriage has been on the rocks. I think we have to pray for a high tide. Being on the rocks means there's a low tide. Let's pray for a high tide because the water can come on the rocks. And if the water comes on the rocks, then it's no longer on the rocks. It's on the water. It's on the water because the water has the ability. Now, we know that the water is a symbol of the Holy Spirit. So here it is. Lord, send your Holy Spirit into my marriage so that we're on the rocks right now. We don't see each other eye to eye. We're not we're not talking to one another. Um, the only time we're communicating is um, cordially be in front of the kids or in public. We're on the rocks and, and I'm ready to leave. She's ready to leave. We don't know what to do or we're just maybe in it, you know, as roommates. We're on the rocks. That's a real thing. But here comes Jesus through the Holy Spirit. And that water can come upon those rocks and lift your marriage. That thing that you thought would never get right, lift it above the rocks and bring you out to see where he is. And I think if we see it that way and begin to pray together for a high tide, Lord, send the rain, send the water to lift us up off the rocks. And I'm reminded, too, that water is a symbol of washing, of cleansing. Yep. Certainly the symbolism that is tied into baptism, which is yep. a washing and a cleansing and a surrendering. As a young believer, we all remember going and being baptized. And that was the public confession that we had surrendered to Christ. And I, I, I love that analogy. Sister Vanessa, your thoughts? I think that absolutely, you know, prayers of faith is what's going to take us through those seasons and and asking God to, to come in. And I believe we can also ask the Lord to uh, point out, help us diagnose what is going on. Help us identify the root causes of our challenges and so that we can come up with uh, a plan of, you know, to, to, to repair some of the challenges. Some of us um, you know, we, there's various things and there, you know, there's a couple of people that I'm thinking of right now where, uh, there's external factors that are putting a lot of pressure on their family, illnesses, finances, um, you know, children that are misbehaving, things like that. And those are putting pressures on the family and they are overwhelmed on the couple and they are overwhelmed and don't know how to handle it. Ask for help, reach out, 
you know, sometimes we, you know, we, we get in these ways where we say, I've already been to counseling. That, that clearly it didn't work. We're here again. No, 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 no. Counseling for me, um, you know, Christian counseling with somebody who is, is, is really informed by the word of God and, and called to speak into your life in this pastoral counseling way. That kind of, of care is just like maintaining the oil in your car. You, you know, you see the check red light and you go, man, I my oil change, you know, two years ago. I got a tune up two years ago. No, no, no. It doesn't work like that. You don't. It's not one and done. This is a lifelong commitment to keeping things well, finely tuned. And that for me is an important point that sometimes I think we forget when it comes to marriage. And as any good mechanic will tell you, routine maintenance is necessary if you're going to get the most out of the life of your vehicle. And that notion too of as you're climbing that mountain, understanding that occasionally you're going to slip, you're going to fall, but that's okay. You get back up, you get on your feet once again, you grab each other's hand, and you continue to make that climb toward the mountaintop. We've been visiting today with Pastor Timothy and Vanessa Russell. And Vanessa, you mentioned about a book earlier, and I know we're going to get calls on this. Is that available yes. publicly? And if so, how so? It is. It's on Amazon. Both of the books, one for women, one for men. And you can go to loveneverfailsus.com forward slash fight for love, all spelled out. And there you'll see the women's link to Amazon, as well as the men's book link and some videos of our men giving their testimonials about what this project has meant to them. Wonderful. And I'm going to have you give that URL once again. It's loveneverfailsus.com forward slash fight for love. Fantastic. You'll find it there online. I want to thank both of you for spending some time out of your uh, Valentine's Day to be with us. Any special plans tonight, Pastor? Our weeks are real busy, so we got we got stuff planned for Friday night, Saturday night, and Sunday. I, I took off from um, preaching at a, any church so that we can just hang out as a family, go to church together somewhere, and then uh, go have some lunch with the whole family. So Friday night, Saturday night, and Sunday. Good for you. And yeah, you, and we're you, going to a concert. Very nice. We're excited about that. So you, you, don't, <laughs> you don't have to worry about the chocolates after all, then. <laughs> No, don't have to worry about this. I need to leave chocolates alone right now. Yeah, I hear you on that one, brother. Well, again, I want to thank both of you for being with us again. Our conversation today, Pastor Timothy Russell, Vanessa Russell, thank you so much for your time today, and uh, happy Valentine's Day to you both. You thank too. you. You too. Thank you. Well, that's going to do it for this edition of Lifeline. Thanks so much for being with us. And if there was anything you heard on today's show that you'd like to hear again or share with a friend, grab a copy of the Lifeline podcast. Simply log on to KFAX.com. That's KFAX.com for the Lifeline podcast. Our producer is Wanda Sanchez. I'm Craig Roberts. Till next time around, remember, just don't keep the faith. Get out there and share it and make it a great evening. So long. Opinions expressed in the preceding program do not necessarily represent the views of the ownership, staff, or management of KFAX. Copyright Salem Communications, all rights reserved. Let's leave the next generation a better world. Remember, we are called to be salt and light. AM 1100 KFAX San Francisco. Or find us at oneplace.com. Sponsored by... 
Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.